Is tile drainage a fit for your farm? We're asking that question with three very different topographies and geographies. The farmers of Extreme Ag talking about their tile projects, what they've learned, what they know, and how they can share with you. We're joined by Darla Huff with Advanced Drainage Systems. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where real farmers share real insights and real results to help you improve your farming operation. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Kloss, where machines aren't just made, they're made for more. With a wide range of tractors, combines, foragers, and hay tools, Kloss is a family business just as driven, demanding, and dedicated as yours. Go to Kloss.com and start cutting your curve with their cutting edge equipment. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. It's me, Damian Mason. You knew that. You got Kelly Garrett from the hills of Western Iowa. You got Chad Henderson from the red clay soils of Alabama. You got Matt Miles from the Delta of Southeast Arkansas. What do they have in common? Well, they're all three founders of Extreme Ag. And they're also good dudes. They also have done some pretty cool things with tile drainage, and they want to share their experience with you because you might be asking the question, is tile drainage a fit for my farm? Or maybe you have areas you think it is a fit and others that are not. They've got very, very different scenarios, and they all have interesting results to share with you. Darla Huff is with Advanced Drainage Systems, or ADS. I still have their postcard right here for the top 10 reasons to tile. One of my favorite little pieces of uh, uh, promotional material ever by ADS. Anyway, uh, before we hit the record button, Darla was going through the things that she says. You know, this is what's pretty cool. Obviously, I'm, I'm working in the tile drainage business, but you talk about three different areas, and they all found different stuff. Let's lead off with Matt. Matt did a project, and you went to him uh, two to three years ago, and you said, give me the worst piece of ground you have. And he did, and then he put tile drainage in it. Very different from Matt, uh, Chad. Chad, you went to an area that's a duck hole, and it was low, boggy, wet, didn't even get farmed, and yours there, you had to put in a big drainage station, drainage, uh, I'm sorry, a, a lift station, and we've been there, and we've covered that before in past episodes. And then Kelly has the hills, and you're like, why would you need to put drainage tile when you've already got like a 25% slope on these fields? The water runs downhill. So I kind of want you to give the overview, Darla, and then we're going to go to each person. Thanks, Damian. Um, so we've seen very different, to your point, we've seen very different results, all positive so thus far. Um with the work that we've done at Kelly's, Matt's, and Chad's, uh, respectively. So I, the, the benefit of putting tile on all three of their farms is it helps showcase that water management, water needs to be managed everywhere, not just in flatlands, not just in certain types of soils, and not just, but it can also be advantageous in hills. And so um, what a lot of people don't understand is that they don't know if they need water to be managed, especially if they're irrigating. So they hear drainage and they say, I don't need to take water off my field, I need to put it on it. Um, hence why the attempt to get away from the term drainage and change it to water management um, to get people to understand you're trying to do the most with whatever type of water you have on your farm. Um, it's not about taking it away, it's about putting it in the right place. And so um, the situations we have here are these three doing exactly that in their own aspects for the needs for their farm. By the way, I like the, uh, the the subtle correction, and that was me that kept saying drainage, but your company is called Advanced Drainage Systems, but that's how we always thought about yeah. drainage tile. You know, 100 years ago, you sent a guy out with a spade and a piece of clay, and they dug down a few feet and put it in there, and then left a little gap between each one of them. It's 
is water management. And that's one of your, your, your company's pitches. It's, it's, it's water management. When you look at down there where Matt is, he uses, he uses irrigation. Uh, I call it flood irrigation, but it's actually called something else in furrow irrigation. And you'd say, well, why, if you've got sandy soils and you're irrigating it, why do you need to then drain it? So Matt, answer that question first, then tell us about your project. Yeah, so Darla Darla hit the nail on the head with the water management. You want you know you want you want the water in the right spot. You want it at the right place and the right time. So so whether it's coming off or whether it's going on, the most efficient way that you can manage that water is what we're looking for. So when you look at a place like ours, you would think, why would you need why would you need drainage? Because you have graded soils. You know we're on a on a graded slope that we furrow irrigate from the top of the field to the bottom. So why would you need to pull that water off? You know, uh, lateral ditches at the end to put it in the canal. Well, there's different ways of managing water. And one of those is, you know, different soil types. So we've got a sharky clay soil type, which is normally a boggy, uh, what you would call a swampy type soil. And so when we took the worst field we had and said, okay, let's see if we can change this soil or this field to be as highly productive as the fields that don't have drainage problems. This right. one had a drainage problem. Several years, you know, there we didn't even get a crop on it because it would be so late that we would just end up having to fail it or something like that. So we took what a practice that was already working pretty good and now trying to perfect that. And we've had some really good results doing that. By the way, would you only put it in the sharky soil? Because you've got, you, you always make the point, you've really got two two very different kinds of soil types down there. You've got the clay that's boggy and puts up great big old slabs. Kind of interesting, by the way, if you've never been down there, they cut through, they cut through it. A big old chunk will come up about the size of a, a fender on a 57 Buick. And then the other stuff you take it and you throw it in the air. And it's like powder. So it, does one, one type not need it at all? Well, Darla's got some tests going on with that now and some more sandier soils to, to f figure out that. We actually started what we thought would be the most productive, which was taking the least productive ground and trying to, you know, make it most productive. So I think there's some studies going on with that today that Darla could probably tell you where where, where they're at on that as of right now. Is, are you going to be putting more more tile for water management in the sandier stuff where Matt is, Darla? So we've got we've got a trial right now down there as well in the sandier soil to see not only is it advantageous in um the the delta region type sands especially with the heat factors that they have going on um but also what if so what are the spacings because it's not going to be the same as the midwest because we all know farming in the south is very much different than farming in the midwest so um we have not gathered we have the data, we have not analyzed it yet uh, from this past season, we're doing that next week. So we should know more then. Um, and then, it, you know, as we've seen at Matt, having a couple of years to kind of really see what the soil does after being disrupted for putting the towel on the ground. Um, one of the, I know that one of the things that he did see, say is the bug pressure that he had had, the negative bug pressure that he had had um, in the area where he towed, he didn't have any. Well, is that just because we messed up their habitat potentially? Does it have anything to do with water? We don't think so, but um, just a lot of observations that we're gonna try to look at and see what we notice as, as time goes on. So more to come on the sandy, sandier stuff. 
right, we want to stay in the South and we'll go over to Chad. Uh, it was one of the first trips. In fact, it was the first trip I took on behalf of Extreme Ag. And I went to Madison, Alabama, and there was Chad out there crawling around, climbing down into a, a big old uh, three inch or 36 inch drainage pipe. And, um, and he said, this is something most people don't do around here. You know, I'm from Northeast Indiana. We, we've been draining, we've been putting in uh, tile uh, for, you know, uh, more than a century up there. And then uh, the reason you do it is to, is you talked about sort of the intangibles, Chad. There's the return on the investment in terms of more yield. There's the farmability. And then I think you're starting to see some other stuff now in its third year. So kind of talk us through that. So, you know, when we started this deal and, and we, me and Matt, Matt and I and got to talking to Darla about this, you know, we, I didn't need any tile, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't, your ground, my dirt can't make moisture. So therefore I don't think I need to get rid of the moisture I got. And that's a big concept among farmers all across the country. You know, it's the last thing on in the farm, but I have a lot of farms we do that we've done everything we can do to make these farms profitable. And we get to looking at it with blinders on. And that's what I was doing at the time. So instead of trying to fix the best part, like Matt said earlier, went to the highest field and making it better. We go to the lowest production part and make it better. That being said, when Damien first come to visit me, he said, who would pull a header trailer right out in the middle of that mud and get it stuck just to get it off? I said, well, I didn't destroy any wheat. So with that being said, now, Damien, I can show you footage of where that, where we pulled out there, where we didn't, couldn't produce wheat on it. And now it's 90 bushel wheat, which our farm average is somewhere between 88 and 93 or four year in, year out. So what I'm saying is we took all those little pockets and all those divots and all those little duck nests, as people would call them, and we made those productive again on a wheat crop. Well, and it don't, you know, you don't see it as much in late season beans or double crop beans where it's dried out. But in the wheat, you see every little dimple from a November or December or January, you know, wet fall where we had just like we did this last week, four plus inches of rain. Then you see that that stuff. Yeah, because obviously your your moisture problems don't generally occur in North Alabama in June, May, That's June, right. July, August, September. Oh. It's going to kill your wheat. And since you're a double crop, but for, if you're just listening, you've never been on with us before. Chad and Matt do double crop wheat. Wheat comes off and soybeans go in, or as they call them, wheat beans. So this is a bigger deal. Does it, so, does it improve the farmability to then go into the soybeans? Because your wheat come off a little sooner. Do you get a little? Do you get a bump on that because of the drainage? No, we won't really have a bump on it, but what we're talking about is a consistent field of wheat. We're talking about no no holes of wheat where you don't have three or four or five. You know, the whole problem with farming is the average, right? We all farm. We've Everybody on this panel has got a high-yield deal. We've all got high-yield wheat, beans, corn. Yeah, that's, that's nice, and that's real good. But what we're talking about here is averages today. We're talking about farm averages, field averages, and the only way to improve your farm average or field average is through practices such as draining tile drainage or irrigation or things of that nature where you're farming getting big areas and what we've done is we pulled the wire the hot the wire that runs the irrigation systems okay the three-phase wire we run it right across the field and we run the lift station with the same power so we're getting a double use out of our electricity that's on the edge of the roads and we're running lift station with with it in the months from from february march april and May, end of part, first part of June, or if we have a big rain, 
that's the time frame that we'll use the lift stations. Then it goes back to the pivots and we run the pivots the rest of the year. So it's truly water management. We're going to go to the, the hills of Northwest Iowa and then to a different part of the topography and hear from Kelly. And then uh, I want Darla to do a recap. You know, there's a thing called an obsessive compulsive uh, behavior pattern, and our friend Kelly might have it. I was there in December, and we were driving around, and he put in some drainage tile, and he got excited about it. And he said, Damien, we should have been doing more drainage tile out here a long time ago. You know, these erosion problems aren't because of the hills. It's because we didn't have enough drainage tile. Then we went through one of his new acquisition fields, and there's like a six-foot-deep drainage ditch. He said, I think I'm just going to put tile in there. I said, that's like a creek. It's like a tributary to the Mississippi River. He wants to tile everything now. The man is over this. He's over his skis on his compulsive tiling work now. Darla, you created a monster. <laughs> Am I right, Kelly? Yes. Now that, uh, you know, we've got a new contractor here we've been working with, and they maybe would have as much energy as Chad, Matt, and I, and they're not afraid to get after it. The, the project we've got set up for this summer, they, you know, they wanted me to leave the end rows out on this big old creek. We're going to close it up and make two fields into one. And I'm excited. We're going to put tile in. But, but yes, here, what we use for the tile would be like a side hill seat. And you have, you have these main ditches that are there every year, and they cause erosion. And my grandfather's back in the 60s, you know, like many people in the area, started putting in terraces. And, and to try to hold back this water, um, you know, it was great for the technology at the time, but the tile is so much better. And because two things happen when in, in this erosion area, the soil is saturated. So saturated soil, there are two problems. Number one, it can't hold any more water. Number two, it's easily erodible. And when we tile these main ditches that occur in all of the fields in the same spot every year, we heal the ditch. The terrace has never healed the ditch. The tile heals it. And then at the problem, when it's a big field, you know, the, the field where I showed you, we fixed seven different spots in a 340-acre field. Those ditches, when they get down to that main creek, they start crawling back. And, and in places, it crawled back into that field like 200 yards, and it gets to be a deeper ditch. And then the trees come up, and you start farming around it, creates a lot of short rows. And now the contractor came in. We took out all the trees. We bulldozed it shut with dirt, with soil, and then the tile contractor came in, and we've tiled it, and now I believe it, it's, it's healed. It will now hold the whole field to be more productive. You know, the average farmland here is worth $10,000 an acre, $9,000 an acre, 12. You say what you want to say, Look at, and, and now I fixed these seven spots. I believe, oh, if I fixed seven spots, I probably gained 15 acres, you know, times – times $10,000, there's $150,000 worth of ground. We didn't spend $150,000 and the productivity and efficiency I gained from it, I can't even begin to quantify. By the way, he just hit it. He didn't even know, Darla. He just hit two of your top 10 reasons to tile over here on the ADS card. Number seven reduces erosion. Number four, higher land value. Um, and we're going to get to the others. But anyway, before we do that, I want to remind you, dear listener, uh, about uh, one of our business partners called Nature's. Nature's is focused on providing sustainable farming solutions and helping maintain crop genetic potential for today and for future generations. Nature's high-quality liquid fertilizers powered by Nature's Bio-K can be targeted at specific periods of influence throughout the growing season via precision placement techniques as a means to mitigate plant stress, enhance crop yield, 
and boost your farm's ROI. Nature's, N-A-C-H-U-R-S, nature's.com. Go check it out. Our friend Tommy and the folks over there got some cool products, and these guys use them. Uh, Darla, what every, everybody talked about their thing, and we're going to get into some of the other um, learning experiences with that. What, what comes to mind after all three of these guys talked about their, their take on tile? So Kelly and Chad talked about the very specific, um, I have a problem I need to fix. I'm going to, well, the situation they described called, we would, we would call it spot tiling. Um, spot tiling has its placement in the market, has its advantages. And that's usually, the irony is that's kind of how the business gets started is farmers spot tiles and they all of a sudden see that land has been my worst, that's been my, my lowest spot. How is it all of a sudden performing better than the part next to it that I didn't need to put tile in? Um, and it's not because that land is any different. It's because it is utilizing the water correctly now. It, was, it went from not utilizing it at all to utilizing it correctly. But the assumption has always been that the land sitting next to it that did not need the tile, quote unquote, um, was already utilizing the water correctly and that but to the to their eyeballs it is until you get into the ground and so I'll give you an example at Chad's farm I gave him I, he wanted to correct the the spots that he needed to get more money off of I wanted for our trials like give me a feel that you as a farmer would not think needs tiles and you know let's do both let's look at both scenarios well the installer um, when he was in the machine because we joked, we called, we called some of Chad's, the, or the really saturated areas where we called them the wet hole. And the install was like, this field, meaning the one that Chad had said doesn't need to be tiled, should be called the wet hole. Because the minute they started breaking ground, water just started going everywhere. And so it just, you don't know what you don't know until you get in the ground, if you will. And so um, there, my point is that there's a benefit to spot tiling. There's a benefit to um tiling land just to see if you can get anything extra out of it once you feel like you've done everything you can with the dollars that you have above the ground from a seed perspective from a herbicide perspective from a uh, fertilizer perspective um have you looked at the water um that you have on your field or don't have on your field is 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 one big proponent for sure and the success that we've seen at matt's i'll be honest with you has just really blown me away um if it continues to go that way you know i think we've got We've got some really exciting things for the future. Matt, you don't mind being an outlier. She says the results uh, in your on your experiment uh, have blown her away. I'm not sure that you're you're. I'm not sure you're so. You're not Kelly. You don't want to like start filling in the Mississippi River and then tiling it like he does. But are you are you convinced you'll be doing more of this? Because before we hit the record button, you still look at your dollars a lot. Do you think that you do more of this? Uh, and and justify it, or do you think you do this when you have a fat year and and you've got more money and it's a, a time to do it? Then how do you look at tile now that you're two years in? Well, so <clears throat> the first year, if you'd asked me after the first year, you know, do you think you'll ever put any more tile on your farm? My answer would have been maybe. You know, after this year, of course, we had a record soybean year. So, so, you know, people, naysayers be out there saying, well, but everybody cut real, really good beans this year. Yeah, but did everybody cut the same beans on their worst field as they did their best field? So year two going into this, I'm starting to try to hunt a way to do some equip money, you know, get, get the, the Delta region more involved in 
you know, some subsidizing with the tile, you know, to help us do that. But I see a way brighter future after two years. And Darla told me when we started, so it's going to take three years in a normal situation to really see the benefits of the tile. I think we doubled what we've seen the first year, the second year. So it it's really come on rapidly this second year. We learned a lot the first year we're doing wrong. You know, when when you need that moisture level in that soil, you can't wait till the day before you're ready to irrigate like we do with polypipe, punch the holes and run the moisture down there. You know, we had to build that soil moisture up. So our lift station had to be adjusted. And then we had to start pumping into that tile earlier than what we thought. You know, it's about a 20 or 30 day period to get that where we needed to be not two days before when I call and say, hey, daughter, I'm going to start this pump up. I need to irrigate this week. So, you know, it's a learning curve that we come through. But with what I've seen this year on the yield, and and not just the yield, but we had this field stood underwater after I planted it, about 18 inches of water for 40, 40 hours or so. No. Yeah, 40, 40 to 50 hours it stood underwater. This was flat planted ground, flat planting Sharky clay is a absolute no-no because you have that, you know, you have nothing to hold it up out of the water any, even when the water goes down, you know, we'll stay soggy and that bed enables us to have that, you know, that crop about four to six inches above that surface water that's sitting there that hadn't come off. This is pre-tile. So we go in there now, we're planting it flat. We can change our row spacings. There's several different things we can do to increase yield. And also, you know, make it work as good as the fields that we're, we, we don't, we haven't had to worry about those situations. Interesting. And uh, if you don't mind, Damien, it, can I add a couple of things there for Matt? So yeah. I, I would agree with Matt in the, I'm still on the, um, is Matt going to just cover his farm and tile? My answer would still be like, we hope, but we don't know yet because we have to prove the ROI. Does drain tile work in the in the in the delta? I would say yes. Is it going in a sharky clay scenario? Um, is drainage alone gonna enough for a farmer to ROI? Given how much pipe they have to put in the ground, great question. We're putting those numbers in. That's why we're looking at. And what he was just referencing was we we're subsurface irrigating back through that tile line because if we can also put more water on when they need it, that helps with the, them with the ROI. So as we move forward with Matt trial, you know, we've seen tremendous results from a, from a, um, a bushel perspective, yeah. but what about water savings? What about, wh what about time? What about, um, to his point, how much easier is it, is it for him to plant earlier plant date? We want to put numbers to all of those things to see, okay, is it going to pencil out for the farmer in a good year, in a bad year, in an okay year? Um, does it, you know, what are all those scenarios that we need to look at so that these guys can start to tap into that equip money because equip money in the Midwest for water management, no brainer. It's there. You can find it depending on the state, depending on your, your, um, NRCS agents and what the government's offering your state. But this is kind of a no man's land, if you will, from a water management perspective for Delta farmers. Um, and does this open up that door for them to have a place to go to get uh, federal funding to help them, especially with the things that we've got going on with the aquifers potentially drying up. So we're trying to see not only the benefits for the farmers and their land, but also for agriculture, if you will, in that area going, moving forward. 
And Damon, if you look at it, you like to look at numbers, I know, because I do too. But if you look at just comparing year one to year two, and you say, okay, we had a higher average bean yield. So take 20% off of that. You know, exit X 20% off because yields were higher this year. We're still at a $230, $240 per acre yield increase. So depending on the product, you know, your design, what your pipe's going to cost, you know, if we're looking at 200 plus an acre increase, the payback's there. Yeah, and by the way, return on investment is one of the top 10 on here. Uh, so, mm -hmm. I mean, people always want to know rough numbers. 1500 bucks an acre is a tile job. Is that, I mean, is that a reasonable number, Darla? I don't know. Yeah, 15 or 1600 with, with inflation stuff everybody's dealing with from COVID right now, I would say that that's a fair number for sure. Um, and I don't know how detailed, Matt, we want to go into the numbers, but I, I don't mind throwing out there his last, if, if Matt's comfortable with it, the last time he planted beans with no tile, he had what 55 bushels an acre on that field. Um, this past year, he had 89. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're talking almost double, you know, because, and the only thing in my mind from what he's saying, when he said, instead of looking at it for what beans are cutting, let me compare it to my most high yield field. And he went from being substantially behind mm. um, his highest yielding field to only being 11% behind that same field. So he went from being 41% behind his high yield field comparison in 2015 to now he's 11% behind that high yield field comparison. So it's, it looks like it's doing its job um, so far. Kelly, the other guys have If both, you want numbers. Chad, Chad and Matt both just said um, that uh, you go to your, you know, they went to their worst fields. Uh, I think that's, that seems counterintuitive. You talk a lot about low-hanging fruits, one of your favorite statements and all that, Kelly. So what's what's your thought on where the, the tile for you is more erosion control than it is asset improvement? I mean, it is asset improvement, but you don't say, I'm going to go to the worstest field in Crawford County and put this in. That's not how you look at it. No. Bad fields. <laughs> no, because... Yeah, he doesn't have any bad fields. But those guys going to their bad, like what Matt did right there, that 30% improvement that Darla just showed, that is the low-hanging fruit. Absolutely. And for us, you know, the soil is so variable um, and where those side hill seeps are, that is the worst part of the field. And you're, you're typically going to find your biggest pH problems. You're going to find your worst yield where it's wet. And when we put in that tile and you get that oxygen in the soil, it just heals it. You know, I mean... You want to talk about how important tile is here? I'll, I, I'm sitting here thinking about it, listening to these guys. Every time I speak, I say my number one priority is base saturation. If you don't, if you don't address your base saturation problems, there's no reason to go on and, and spend money on any of the other fertility, foliar, things like that, because you're wasting your money. Well, if you don't address your tile problem, if the soil's wet and you don't address that wet problem, there's no reason to address the base saturation problem. Because no oxygen in the soil, the water coming up, you can't farm it. That, and, and that's what Matt and Chad have done. And, and you know, you want to talk about progressive farmers. Nobody does it in the South until those guys get there. Now, Darla talked him into it, so she deserves some credit. But, but those, two, those two are the very definition of progressive farmers. Chad, uh, aeration is one of the things he just talked about. And Darla gave the example that your contractor was working in one part of the field that you thought was the low bog, wet hole, whatever, duck pond, whatever you, you, you terms you've used. 
But then he said, over there is also saturated down low, which is an interesting thing. It's dry on the top. It's dry and it's hot. And people think, yeah, this is summertime in, in Alabama. But there's there's some there's there's something about that where the water is you don't even see it but then there's the aeration so kind of talk about the thing that fooled that, that would confuse you from the eyeballs and then the aeration that kelly talks about so so i got one to two three things and it's gonna go a couple of different ways um so one we talk she talked numbers matt talked numbers so she's gonna get my numbers let's just get them right on our table so from the last year i grew wheat on the farm when you came and you had those wet holes and you seen how wet it was and and all that when, when we done that that same farm farm average was like 73 bushel because of those holes the la this last year when we cut the tile off of it that average was 83 and a half so we picked up 10 you know bushels. 10 11 bushels farm average on that farm when we done that and it's because we evened the whole farm up Okay, now let's talk about what Darla talked about. By the about way, that's not just the 11 bushels wasn't just on those acres. That's the thing. Those acres went from nothing to something. Correct. They went from, they went from five bushels to 80. Correct. And so that's, it's, it's again, it's, it brought your whole farm. It'd be one thing, if, if the numbers are even more impressive if you talked about just the 20 or 30 acres that was directly impacted. Correct. So then let's talk about the next thing. The next thing is when we go, when we switch over to our corn acres, Okay, so our biggest problem on those acres that where we was at is we've have some rolling ground to where we have the hills, our red hills. And when I say hills, they're not Kelly's hills. They're like 10% of Kelly's hills, like <laughs> that slope like that, you know. <laughs> but so when you have a hill, it's dry and it's ready to plant. Well, the swags on either side of it, like Kelly was talking about, I still have those. The swags on either side of it are not ready to plant. Well, I'm not going to go out there and plant with a 24-row planter and plant that hill. So either the hill gets planted later or the bottom we have to plant around Well, neither one of those scenarios are good well when we all the tile we put in and we are now where we even the plant data we can make the bottoms where they're dry enough to plant when the hill's dry enough to plant yeah. you know so then darla said oh well, hey spot tile yep sure did the first year we spot tile well then she didn't mention the next one we come back and we've done it again so we would, I would dare to say we probably have as much pattern tiled as anybody in, I know in, in the north half of Alabama, there may be some in the bottom half, but in the north half of Alabama, we're at about 250 acres pattern tile. Mm -hmm. But true to her point, when we put the tile machine in the ground, they wanted to change the name of the field in the, in the apps where we all check our boxes, you know, because of the water table where it was. That same water table is the one that keeps us from planting later planting early on our corn, which in turn is pushing us to where our heat window, you know, in the South, we're trying to get planted as early as possible. You know, Matt will strike out with them February soybeans. He's striking out with the first March in corn. And we're trying to beat the heat. We say that all the time. We're trying to beat the heat. The heat window is coming. Where are you going to be at with your crop stage when the heat comes? So the sooner you can plant, the more uniform the field is, the better your crop runs out the bat. One I thing I want to say to I that, I want to say that too, Damon, Damien, that I think we do as farmers is we, you take a hundred acre field and you've got 10 acres that are bad. And this is what Chad corrected. You say, well, it's not but 10 acres and it may be an acre here and three acres here and seven there, but 10 acres in a hundred acre field is 10% of your yield. When you start doing the math on 10% of your yield, yep. if you can, if you can recapture like he did those holes, 
a 10% of that field, that that's a no-brainer. Absolutely. That's what I wanted to add. Matt's right. It's worse, and it's even worse than 10% because you've got inputs on that 10%. So that 10 bushel that Chad captured or that 30% that Matt captured defines one of my favorite words in the English language, the net. There's not, <laughs> not gross revenue. That's net revenue, and that's the most important kind. Yeah, because yeah, you, you were already putting out the inputs. And yes. So you should you should either just let it be let it be or not even farm it. Uh, I mean, yes. there's some ground. There's some ground that honestly, if it's not properly managed, which to Darla's company is water management. If it's not properly managed, why even fool them with it? Either management, exactly. either management, or don't farm it. I think it's oh, kind of better than it gets it gets better than that because these are places that I was having trouble because the pivots was getting stuck in them. So it's irrigated. It is irrigated, <laughs> zero production. It just it just keeps compounding here. Well, yes. I, I want to and Damien, if you look at that, if you look at that sheet, it also says better uptake of your inputs. Actually, it <laughs> says specifically probably because of what Kelly said. Yeah. Let's go uh, check out the box. I like. Isn't it interesting? She didn't even know. I've had this in my office for quite some time now. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm big fan. Okay. Proud of you. All right. Let's go with the question that we asked from the front of the show. Is tile drainage a fit for your farm? There's going to be somebody that says no. I can't afford it. Uh, it works for Kelly. It works for Chad. It works for Matt. It won't work for me. Farmers, by the way, love love. There's nothing they love more than going to the diner and talking about how that wouldn't work here. It's that would never work here. They, I've seen it by townships. I've seen it by like four miles away. Well, it never work over here. I'm like, you're four miles apart. What? It, anyway, dispel the myth. Answer the question. Help the person that's listening to this. That's what we do here at Extreme Mag. Anybody that wants to go, uh, you know, hell, hell uh, Matt, let's go with you. You were you're a little skeptical. Is tile drainage a fit for your farm? You've had the question. You're the Kelly's Kelly's people have been tiling for a long time. My people have been tiling for a long time. What's the what's what uh, when someone hangs up with this episode? What are you going to tell them? Well, just like just like I said earlier, uh, the, after the first year, I was doubting it a little bit. After the second year, I'm pretty much on board. I, is it is it something I need to do to every field I own? No, but is there some fields out there that I can more than pay for it back in less than ten years? I think daughter and I looked at maybe seven years or something like that. Yeah. At, at the max so i mean if if i give you 100 and you give me you know 150 back i'm going to be for that every time chad and i think what people forget it. sometimes but i just don't throw this in there what people forget sometimes this is a an input you do on that field you do it one time you're not having to repeat it every year oh. you put it if it's done correctly you do it once yeah that's it yeah that's well that's that's the neat part. Yeah, you're not you're not talking about going out and, and having to do this every year. Chad, is tile drainage a fit for your farm? There's gonna be somebody that says that won't work here. That's not a fit for my farm. What do you think? Well, for one one myth I want to displace is the fact that well, them boys are talking about it because they probably give them a bunch of rolls of tile or a bunch of truckloads of tile. Yeah, they helped with the project, and yeah, you know we signed our name to a a lot of years of data with this, and the data is for you. So the people that think that we just a lot of farmers out here that do a lot of trial work that are just because we're giving product. A lot of times that ain't, that is definitely not the case, you know? And um, so let's displace that right off the bat that we purchased a lot of tile and mm -hmm. it's because yes, I think every farm can 
I think every farm can benefit it. Like every farm in somewhere or another can benefit from ir benefit from irrigation. Yeah. You know, every farm has a piece. And again, the people who are out here that are naysayers are just a lot of times don't want to, you know, they, they don't want to find that low hanging fruit. They, they're waiting on the seed company to do a better seed. If they, if you had a better seed and, and it would stay underwater for two weeks instead of two days, like hell, I'd be all right. You know? And so, you know, we're, they're waiting on somebody to bring them something instead of going after the hard work. And, and it is, and, and it's, and maybe it's not feasible yet. You know, we had to do ours behind wheat because it's harder to get a tiling company, you know, to come down here, an installer and come down here when in the fall, like they would do in your area, Damien, you know, so we had to do it behind the wheat and come in there and do a tent. So, so there's definitely challenges to it, but that's, you know, what we do in here, extreme ag to try to build these things to make, to, to allow farmers to look at options is, is why we do what we do. Billy, the challenges are today. Oh, what yeah, we're wait. trying to do is if it works, uh, make good, it. Darl, I'm sorry. That's right. We're, it it's not it won't be a challenge tomorrow. Call me or Matt. I'll have a tiling machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Darla, before we go to Kelly, that's the interesting thing because you, you kind of specifically chose Chad and Matt because you said there's this belief that somehow there's no reason for a tile in, in the South. And that's why you kind of mm -hmm. picked them because obviously we have a big platform here and, and we, we are pretty frank about sharing our numbers or information, but yep. there's, it's probably more prevalent. It's certainly more prevalent probably in the South. I've never been a farmer in the South, but I'm assuming it's more prevalent that they would say that won't work here or it's not necessary here. Right. So I, um, previous life when I worked at Corteva, Dowager Sciences, I worked with Southern farmers. That, that was a portfolio that I covered. And so many times I would watch us, as a company try to market to a farmer in the South, the same exact way we marketed to farmers in the Midwest. And being from Louisiana myself, I watched it fail epically in certain, certain time periods because it's not the same type of farming. And so whenever I came to ADS and I saw, oh, this is really successful in the Midwest, we've tried it in the South, it doesn't work. I'm like, well, if, if you did a Midwest approach to the South, I guarantee you it didn't work. Um, it, so it, it, looking at it differently for what they need versus what we know has been a historical mistake, in my opinion. Um, one thing I will say, I'm going to pr provide my own answer. It has nothing to do with me as a company because I work there. It's, I've looked for it. I have never found a farmer. We say, does farming fit your farm? Is it, is it a fit for your farm? I've never found a farmer who stopped filing because it hurt them, if you will. Yeah, that's been my point. Is once it's kind of like once once you do it, you don't need sold on it. You say, like to Matt's point, I'm sure by three, four, five years, he's going to say mm -hmm. improved aeration. I can use it as part of my irrigation. It is water management. I mean, he'll start selling it himself in his head. He won't need sold on the concept after he sees the result. Is what you're saying? Mm -hmm. You know, it's right. kind of like when when you have a farmer like Chad who is whose farm is being Farms are continuously in this area being bought. And so how is it for houses or business or whatever? So we still, it's the same old tell y'all know this. You have how many people to feed with less ground? How much more creative can you get while you're waiting on that next seed to come out? Or to so how do you predict the weather? This is the best thing we can help you do to help control what Mother Nature does to your crop. And it's another thing, if you haven't tried it, it 
can help benefit. So it's another tool in the toolbox, if you will, um, to hopefully help them as we move forward. Taylor, you're the last one to go on this question. So is tile drainage a fit for your farm? Again, we're Midwesterners. We are certainly more, but but in your part of the world, and also, okay, you're, you've got the hills. Why Why would you bother tiling on a hill? In my part of the world, it's the poor ground argument. All right, you can go ahead and put expensive tile on that really good stuff, but this is below uh, good stuff. You know, that's the argument I see in my part of the world. Like, why would you put it on your lesser Indiana ground? Go ahead and maximize your good stuff. And I think it's as what you guys have all talked about, low-hanging fruit. Uh, You get a big bump off the low stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Tile is definitely a fit for the ground here, be it the flat ground or the hill ground, because it improves the ground. It, It, in many ways... Uh, is the number one thing you should address because if you don't if you don't Im- Im- if you don't improve that soil and really you're improving soil health you know we talk about sustainability all the time you're improving soil health you're going to you're going to improve the photosynthesization that's a big word you're going to improve the photosynthesis of the plants in that area because you're going to put oxygen in that soil you're going to improve the soil health it should be your number one uh, priority if you have a water problem in that soil, it absolutely is a fit for all ground. Darla, uh, if more people need to see this, I'm going to make sure I just hold it up there. The top 10 reasons to tile. I think it's cool. Uh, higher yields, number two, break lower break even price. Number three, higher return on investment. Uh, four, higher land value. To Kelly's point, you just approved mm-hmm. the asset. Longer growing seasons. Chad just talked about that. He gets an extra couple of weeks on his corn crop because he beats the heat by getting the seed in earlier. He can get the seed in earlier because the ground's not wet. Uh, let's see. Did we hit all these? I think we did. Um, healthier roots. We didn't quite cover that, but I think uh, Matt might be a really good example there. If you've got a really tight, if it, it, can we say healthier roots is something that you definitely see on your tighter ground? Oh, there's no question. I mean, watching this subsurface irrigation work, you know, it doesn't, you, you can, we can be subsurface irrigating through this tile and you can walk all over that field. You want to, if yeah. we were fur irrigating, no way that would happen. You'd all have right. to be an athlete. So what we've seen is those roots, if you will allow them to do this, they will go down deeper and pick up moisture deeper. And guess what's down there where it's deeper, more nutrients, nutrients, uh, reduces erosion. Kelly already gave the example on that. Reduces soil compaction. Chad, that's something we didn't talk about. Uh, but you talked about getting stuck out there. Uh, maybe that's that's the one you covered. Yes, you'll say yes on number yep. eight. Reduces soil compaction. Yep, reduce soil compaction because when you take your sprayer and they tile and then you run it about three weeks later and run off in one of them tile ruts, that reduces compaction. <laughs> <laughs> Superior soil structure. Um, uh, tiled land needs porous soil. I think the soil structure argument could be there because we talked about aeration. We just covered that. And then improved weed control. It's one we didn't get to. How does it improve weed control, Darla? That's the last question for you before we get out of here. It allows you to uptake those nutrients that you're putting on to that land that you were... It, the plant will uptake those nutrients better because of the improvement of space of the soil structure and it's not soaking wet. So to Kelly's point, you're not spraying nothing. You're spray. You're actually getting something out of what you're spraying. So you're that net Kelly talked about. It contributes to that. He's always bringing it back to the money. That's why he's here. His name's Kelly Garrett, Iowa farmer. Chad Henderson, Madison, Alabama. Matt Miles, uh, the Delta region of Southeast Arkansas, a town called McGee in Deshea County. I'm Damian Mason. She's the she's Darla Huff, and she's with ADS. If you want to learn more about the products that the ADS has, where do they go, Darla? ADSPipe.com.
adspipe.com. Till next time, thanks for being here. If you want to take your le- your learning to the next level, these are all free, cutting the curve. Literally hundreds of these episodes we've recorded, hundreds of videos these guys have shot out in the field, all free at extremeag.farm. Also, you can keep up with us on our new YouTube channel. That's right, we have a TV show coming out. It's called The Extreme Ag Show, and you can watch it. If you want to do even more than that, you can become a, a member for $750 a year, a member of Extreme Ag, and you'll get a question-answer platform. You can talk to guys like Matt Kelly Chad and get a little deeper on a subject for instance the drainage on your farm 750 bucks a year is a very very small investment for all the cool stuff you can do and apply to your farm so next time thanks for being here check out all of our stuff extremeag.farm this is extreme ag's cutting the curve that's a wrap for this episode of cutting the curve make sure to check out extremeag.farm for more great content to help you squeeze more profit out of your farming operation cutting the curve is brought to you by Kloss, where machines aren't just made they're made for more. Visit kloss.com and start cutting your curve with cutting edge equipment.